We're back, back for the 37th episode of Letterman Jacket. I'm Eli Letterman, o- sellout crowds, Oklahoma beat writer. And today we're going to be talking OU softball and previewing the 2024 season with former OU two-time national champion Nicole Mendez. Before we jump into that and the rest of the show, of course, a word from our sponsors, Two Fellas Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, MidFirst Bank, and of course, as always, our good, good friends at Fire Lake. They have got the Fire Lake Firelight Balloon Fest. It's coming back in August. This annual event is one of the very best balloon festivals in the country, and it now has an app. So head to the, all your app stores, Google, Apple, wherever you get your apps. Go download the app and head out to Fire Lake and Shawnee in August for the balloon festival. All right. 37th episode of the pod. I uh, did my research. Over the last decade, there's not been an OU softball player to wear number 37. Uh, perhaps the closest we've come, former OU punter Michael Turk, he wore number 37 and then got married to former OU captain, three-time national champion shortstop Grace Lyons. But more recently, this past fall, OU's uh, fall scrimmage run, they, they kind of just beat up on some smaller schools, including a 37 to nothing. That's right, 37 nothing win over North Central Texas College back in October. So there's some 37 links. Uh, but we are here talking softball for good reason, because this week, OU softball is back. Uh, they get started uh, Thursday morning in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico at the Puerto Vallarta College uh, Challenge. And uh, and here we are, the 2024 season. Uh, the Sooners will kick off with, with Utah Valley. They play Duke and Washington, a pair of top 10 uh, games within their first you know three of the season. Uh, and we are talking about an Oklahoma team that, A, has, has plenty of change around it, but also uh, is coming back to, to set some more history, to make some more history. We know they've claimed the last three national titles. That matches what UCLA did from 1988 to 1990. But uh, the 4P is, is what Oklahoma is chasing this year. Uh, and that'll be something that nobody has done uh, in, in the history of the sport. That would be a first, and and so we know that's going to be hanging over this team. They're unanimous favorites in all the preseason polls. Uh, they are easily the favorites to go do it again in Oklahoma City in June, uh, but there's a lot of time between now and then, and we were talking about an Oklahoma team that uh, has won their last 53 games. That's an NCAA record. If they were to, to not drop a game during the regular season, they would head into the postseason at 105 straight wins. There's history there. Uh, on the championships streak uh, front, three straight titles matches UCLA in, in, in the softball realm since 2000 across all of college sports. There have been 27 three-time national champions uh, or back-to-back-to-back national champions. So that's been done. But the four-timer is, is where OU kind of goes from softball history to just you know some of the greatest dynasties in, uh, in all of college athletics. And you're, you're talking about the UConn women. Uh, on the basketball court, you're talking about Oklahoma's men's gymnastics programs. They're four Pete in the middle of the last decade. Stanford's men's gymnastics in the midst of its own four uh, four consecutive national titles. Where OU could still chase some history. USC water polo. They ripped off uh, late 2000s, six straight titles. So there, there's still uh, some room for Oklahoma. But the four Pete really would would begin to be that separator from. The kind of dynasties we have seen across, you know, all of college sports, three peats have, have happened. Four peats are a different animal. You're not seeing many of them, uh, and that's the kind of history I use playing with. As far as changes, 
Uh, look, the big one, it was last June, Jordy Ball headed to Nebraska. That's the biggest transfer outgoing from the program within the last year, probably one of the biggest in all of college softball. Uh, graduation, you know, Grace Lyons, Haley Lee were two really important pieces uh, of, of last year's team. So was Alex Starocco. Grace Green had been with the program for a long time, but they've replenished and we know they had plenty of talent. They haven't lost all that much of it. Uh, but the transfers, you're talking Kelly Maxwell, uh, Peyton Monticelli from Wisconsin, Carly Keeney from Liberty, Riley Ludlum is, is the, the catcher utility player uh, who, who should probably, you know, be trading starts with Kinsey Hansen. There's a lot to be excited about with the Sooners. Plenty of change, plenty of questions, as many questions as you can ask about a team that has won 53 straight games and won each of the last three national titles. But plenty to be excited about, and we are going to jump in to the 2024 season with our conversation with Nicole Mendez. All right, jumping into our conversation with two-time national champion, former OU standout Nicole Mendez. We're here to talk softball. We're both real excited about the fact that it's finally here. It's February, softball season, about to be underway. Nicole, welcome. Where are we finding you? And, and please tell us what you are up to, because uh, I know you have a lot on your plate, especially as softball season gets going. Yeah, well, one, hi. So nice to be here. I'm so excited. Um, two, I've, I moved to Dallas recently. I've been enjoying Texas again, but not too far from the border of Oklahoma. So I get to go back and call a few games this spring. Uh, but speaking of broadcasting, I'm going to be broadcasting with Flo. So I'll be calling a lot. And I say a lot, I really mean it, a lot of preseason games. But I'm so excited to see not just what the Big 12 has to offer, but just softball in general heading into the season. It's going to be great. Um, and then as we kind of roll into regular season, I'll be calling games for OU, a couple for Texas State, and then a few for ESPN. So it's softball, softball, softball from Thursday. I mean, we started really last week, everybody prepping and getting all this stuff together. Um, but as far as broadcasting, starting now all the way until June at the World Series, and then kind of following along on the Big 12 side, I'm actually starting a podcast. I'm really excited. Uh, it's going to be with Softball America and it'll kind of be announced on Wednesday this um, in a couple of days. So that's going to be really fun about just talking all things Big 12 and kind of the movement, the shift, but it's going to be such a fun time. Again, getting paid to talk softball. I mean, whoever be enough to do that, I'll take full advantage. So here I am. Well, it's very exciting. You're going to be doing all that you said, softball, softball, softball. You're going to be loaded yeah. up, but that's really exciting. And I do feel like, you know, every year we talk about in Oklahoma City, like when we get there in June, that, you know, the sport's never been more popular. The interest around it has never been crazier. Are you feeling that kind of excitement, almost a different excitement this time of year than even some years past? I, I just think, you know, there, there's programs emerging across the country. There's stars everywhere. It feels different than even the past few years oh my gosh there's such a buzz in the air with just the sport in general I think you know the conference mix up so people are already talking about oh my gosh this person is going to be in this conference how will they shape up this team is typically a defense dominant team but they're heading into an offense dominant mm -hmm. conference how is that going to hold up how are the pitching sequences going to be holding up what are the coaches going to be doing what does NIL look like in this evolving landscape? 
it's created a lot of talk. And then on the other hand, you have still have the transfer portal, um, which we've seen some crazy moves this past season. Um, so it's going to be really fun to see how these teams evolve and grow. But you'll have your teams like Wichita State or even McNeese. They made it all the way out to Washington last year. And oh, it was just that close to getting that win to go to Super. So um, you never know what's going to happen, even big D1, small D1. So it's going to be fun. It really is. And I mean, we're we're getting started this week. Oklahoma will be in Mexico. I won't be in Mexico. I'd love to be in Mexico, but uh, <laughs> they'll be out there. The games will be on in the morning, folks. So if you want to watch them, you'll have to go to, to Flow Softball to, to get those games. But we, you know, you're talking about the excitement. Most of the conversations around the country do begin with Oklahoma because they've got to begin with Oklahoma. We're talking about the three-time defending champs, you know, unanimous favorites this season to, to go make it four in a row. Uh, and that's what we're here to talk about. Your former Sooner, it's OU-based podcast, of course, but Oklahoma is at the center of the college softball universe as well. And it's only going to feel more that way, I think, when, when Love's Field opens in a month and uh, the most expensive and the biggest softball stadium, uh, college softball stadium in the country will be in Norman, Oklahoma. So everything softball feels like it is trickling back, not just to Norman, but to this state with, with everything that's going to come in June. Uh, and we're talking about an Oklahoma team that can make even more history this year. Um, they've already got the wins record. I did the math before. If they win every regular season game, it'll be 105 straight wins. That's yeah. just stunning. I mean, and and that's Thanks. you know getting ahead of get getting ahead of ourselves. And I do want to ask you what you think you know could be the stumbling block. There it could just be one bad day. But we're also talking about a, a four peat, and that's never happened in in college softball, or at least Division One at, at that level. I was looking around before. You can look at. UConn women's basketball, there's some gymnastics, um, but on the whole, there's history to be made for the Sooners, but with that comes the pressure uh, and everything. There's been change in the in the roster this year. We know you mentioned the portal. One big pitcher comes in, one leaves, um, but for you off the bat, before we dive into the, the lineup, the rotation, what are you most excited to find out about this Oklahoma team that you don't know as you've been doing your research uh, here, getting ready for the season? I think I think there's a couple of reasons why Oklahoma softball is so hated and loved in the softball world. Um, one, obviously, they're so good. I mean, the talent level is just off the charts. But I do think that there are other teams out there that have been that talented for that long, but they just didn't know how to put it together. And so... Oklahoma not only has the ability to have that talent and have those star wow players, but then also the ability to be consistent with their performance and consistent with how they execute in games. I mean, only losing one game last season, that's kind of unheard of. It's been such a long time since it's been done before. So um, I think that's one of the things, but also another thing is just the way they play their style of play. It's, it's hardworking, but it's also, I wouldn't say flashy, but it's kind of in your face. It's joyful. Like you're going to know how they feel right away. And I think that you're either going to love it, you're going to hate it, but you're definitely going to talk about it. Um, so I'm really excited to see what the theme is, if you will, for this team. Obviously, we won't be able to find out in February, no matter how much research you do or how much you talk, because that happens as the season evolves and the team kind of feels each other out. You have a lot of 
new freshmen heading into the team this year who are really good. I think we'll see two, maybe three, kind of start to make an appearance and be consistent. And then you have, I mean, a fantastic pitcher with Kelly Maxwell, who oh, you just kind of, not hate it, but you're kind of like, I hope she doesn't win, I want to win, and now she's on your team. And then you have Jordy Ball, who transferred out, who's been a part of this team for so long, and she kind of has a center around that heartbeat. And so I'm not saying Oklahoma can't win or lose with unstoppable player, because that's the great thing about the program that Coach Gasso has built at Oklahoma, but it's just going to be a new team. It's going to be a different feeling, a different vibe. So I'm really excited to see their storyline start to evolve and shape up as season works in. Yeah, I think, you know, we we hear this. It can look so easy from the outside to just think, <laughs> ah, Oklahoma, they got all the talent. Of course, they'll come back and win. But we know, I, I think you could hear it from Patty last June that that was one of the hardest uh, runs that they'd had in terms of just getting to that point. And that would have been hard to to decipher from the outside because you were just watching them roll 53 straight wins. But that was a, you know, these are not easy seasons ever. And that's because they, they require something different every year. I think that that's at least from, you know, the outside. And you talk about losing Jordy ball, who was as automatic as it got last year at the world series. Uh, Grace Lyons captain um, is, is no longer, you know, she graduates. You, there, there's a change there um, for a program that, has had the success it has, but each year, you know, like everyone has to reset. What are those challenging pieces? And you would have experienced this yourself as a, as a player of February, March, maybe even April of figuring out that identity that is sort of irrespective of talent. You can have all the talent, but you've got to find, so you're kind of saying that theme, that identity, what are the hard parts of, of getting there? Um, I, I think especially whenever with change, as always, there's always going to be a different season. So, Think of the softball season kind of split up into a few different seasons. You have preseason as one season. You have conference as another. And then obviously you have postseason with a even more higher intensity at the World Series and championship games. And with each season, the storyline can stay the same. Your focus can stay the same, but the intensity varies. Um, certain things that you have to focus on varies. And so I think Oklahoma, what's awesome about their senior staffs that they have is they have a solid lineup of seniors who's never known what it's like to lose the last game, hmm. which means whenever they start their season, they have that goal in mind, but they also have the ability to step out and say, this is our goal, but I can't live there right now. I have to live in this moment. And if I do that, then I'll be able to get there. And with so many seniors right now, all that experience, the ability to share and talk to the younger players and kind of coach them into that style of thinking, I think is going to help them a lot as far as, okay, you, you start this season off. And I mean, they're going to be playing number nine and number 10, respectively, with Duke and Washington. It's going to be a hard challenge right away. And they play Long Beach State, maybe not a mammoth of the team like the first two, but they still are a scrappy team. And you can't ever, ever, especially in preseason, you can't ever take a second off, a day off, a pitch off. So um, being able to lean heavily on the seniors, I think we'll see that this year. But I think we'll see a lot of learning and instruction as far as how quickly do they adjust from the first pitch to the next pitch. As season goes on, we'll see that become faster and faster. 
And so turning to like the, the lineup, the, the two big departures would be Grace Lyons and Haley Lee in terms of who they lost from that regular everyday group last year. Uh, so they're bringing back a ton and you just get excited thinking yeah. about Jada Coleman, uh, about Tiari Jennings, uh, Kinsey Hansen. And, and you're also, you're, you're talking there both about leaders in the lineup and what they're going to do with their bats, but also leaders on this team. Uh, and then that list goes on when you look at, at this lineup and, and perhaps who can fill into those spots, who's going to play shortstop, who might take right field or, or, or just pitch in, who are you maybe most excited about that, that folks are not thinking of at the very top there beyond Jada, Tiari, Kinsey. Um, somebody who I think of as having a phenomenal, almost like a sneaky batting average is Riley Boone. She, she batted lower half in the lineup, but she gets on. She draws so many walks. She's not going to be a home run hitter all the time. She can have power, but she'll get singles and doubles pretty consistently. And if it's in the gap and you don't play it right, it might be a triple. She's aggressive and really, really smart. I would say her and Jade are pretty much on par as far as base running goes. But Jada has a little bit more power than her. But then also in the outfield, she has such great range and a soft IQ of knowing, okay, if this happens, then I'm going to be doing this. Um, so a little bit underrated there. I'll just say another person is Alyssa Brito. I mean, her ability to be so solid on defense and be able to hold it down, whether it's at third base or shortstop, is such such a key component of Oklahoma. They they're known for the power, they're known for their offense, but they also have fantastic defense as well. So I think that's going to be another player that will get talked about, but maybe not quite as much. And then there's a couple of freshmen. You have to see it. You have to let it let it ride out, but there's a couple of freshmen, I think, that'll make a little bit of a splash as they make their college debut. So it's it's more so letting the moment not be too big and letting themselves relax and feel comfortable just being who they are as an athlete. Um, I think you'll see a couple of freshmen kind of make their way into the lineup as well. I want to ask you more about the freshmen later, but you talk about Alyssa Brito playing third base and she's been such an important piece that the defense that has has stood out and i think last year i believe statistically it was one of patty's best defensive teams and that's Gosh. saying something is she better at shortstop as in in terms of bringing the values that do you put her at shortstop who do you put at third then if not who's replacing grace lines defense and i'd imagine they're going to try to work that out over the next few months but yeah what are what are those options looking like is it lena torres that that you look to first at shortstop yeah, so we actually, um, I actually got to, in preparation for this upcoming tournament with Phil Softball, we got to talk to Coach Gasso and say, hey, um, what are you going to do? <laughs> and her response was, I don't know. I have so much talent. And so um, this is just me guessing a little bit, knowing Coach, getting to see the players play a little bit in the fall. But if I had to guess, we will probably see Tiara at short and Alyssa uh, Brito at third. And then either it just kind of depends on whose bat gets hot. I mean, defensively, they're both great, but you might see Alina Torres at second. Um, but then again, there's some more talent that Coach Gasso talked about. Quincy Lilio being at second. Um, and then I think also we'll see a little bit um, of like rotation and, well, maybe – this game, there's a ton of slappers, so maybe Tiara moves to second, and 
you have um, some uh, somebody else fill in at short, and it's just matchups. I think that's something that Coach talked about a lot that kind of caught my attention of I want to be a little bit more focused with matchups and kind of feeling where the defense needs to be and what we need in that game. So I think we'll see as season goes on, we'll see a little bit more set, but say it is like, a shorter game, faster in and out, we might see Avery Hodge at short. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really will be whenever you get your shot, what what are you going to do about it? Um, and so it's just going to be one of those things because right now the infield is pretty fluid as far as who has a set spot um, where, right? We, we know that – T.R. Jennings is going to play. We know Alyssa Brito is going to play, but where? Then as far as first base, Sid Sanders has been looking pretty solid. But, I mean, you, you, you got some good freshmen coming in. Ella Parker was somebody that Coach Gasso talked about playing at first, possibly. Again, the freshman power. And then you have Cassidy Pickering. She's played infield. She's played outfield. Uh, we'll probably see her in the outfield. But she was saying literally so much hinges on matchup situational so i think that'll be interesting seeing that from them this upcoming year i think that'll be fun for us to watch because there's been i mean patty's always found ways to to move people around but certain spots there's just been you know stalwarts the last few years grace Lyons was going to be your shortstop and that meant tr was going to be your second baseman if you're moving people around i just think that's going to be a blast for, for us and and for for patty to figure out and i assume too like is, is there an element i i know that you guys, you know, as players, there's, I don't know about complacency at any point in the season, but when you are Oklahoma, there's the expectation there. I got to imagine that one moving around could perhaps be fun, but also as you put it, making the most of your opportunities, that's a way to keep people on their toes as well. Yeah. And one thing that she does so well is practice. She, she makes practice so hard for that team that it's it's a challenge. You're constantly competing, maybe not against somebody, but you're competing to get a certain quality play in. You're competing to get so many throws over the position next to you. You're competing against a made-up imaginary situation defensively. Um, so it's a constant challenge and a constant push. So I, I think that also helps with the complacency um, and you know, coach Gasso, she is a great coach for a reason because she's always quick to remind the team, Hey, you think you're good, but you're just not good enough yet. Like she will tell that to you straight to your face. And if you're good enough, she'll let you know, but then she'll say, how good can we be though? And so even with that nod of, yes, you've reached a level that I'm okay with. There's always, uh, but I know you could be better. Why not try and find out how good we can be? But most of the time in preseason, it's you're not good enough. Figure it out. Let's work through it. And let's get there before we get too late in season. So complacency with Coach Gasso is kind of hard. <laughs> I can't. Well, I, I've, we hear it in, in the capacities where we're with Patty Gasso. I can imagine, only imagine what it's like <laughs> behind those closed doors. You talk about all the talent that's available to, you know, in all those different spots, they're going to be able to move around. There's a ton of talent in the circle too. And yeah. I, I think the biggest change for this team, 
obviously is losing Jordy Ball, and we saw how good she was in at the at the World Series. I don't think this is I don't think there's any other pitcher like Jordy Ball necessarily um, in college softball, and so they have lost that kind of a pitcher, that caliber of a pitcher. But if you're going to have to replace, and you can do it with Kelly Maxwell, with Nicole May, um, and and some exciting you know faces behind that. I mean, I, I you look at it, there's probably five pitchers who who could factor into a rotation somewhere. One, how do you kind of take the, the loss of Jordy Ball from from kind of that, and I said it before, but automatic element of what felt that way at times? And then B, how do you manage uh, a rotation with, with that many talented arms in it over the course of a season? Yeah, I mean, that was one thing we talked about as well is you have a lot of really solid pitchers in this lineup even if they're not going to be a seven inning pitcher, they're going to get two or three because they're really good about pitching to this side of the plate or getting this kind of result. How are you going to manage that? And coach was saying Rocha, Jen Rocha is a phenomenal, not only pitching coach and takes great pride in the game that she calls, but also takes great pride in the preparation. And I think knowing who Jen Rocha is as a pitching coach there's a lot of strategy that goes into a game and there's an A, B, C, D, E, S strategy, right? She has backups and she knows which way to go and she has the flexibility to change if need be and have a solid plan for that change. And so with that, whenever she's going into games, it's not just, I'm going to toss in this picture and we'll, we'll see how it goes. But she was very strategic of not just this game, but the game tomorrow and the game after that, how do I want to fan out my pitchers and, how do I want them to feel? How do I want them to perform? What am I looking for specifically from them? And so managing a big number like that is going to be definitely a challenge. But I think with the staff that they have, Jen Rocha, she's going to have a lot of flexibility and a lot of options. So you don't need that seven inning pitcher. Um, so I think that'll be a big difference. And obviously losing Jordy Bull is huge right she's a phenomenal pitcher once in a lifetime kind of athlete she's amazing and I'm sure she's gonna go on and do great at Nebraska and I wish her all the best but at the same time Jordy Bell also had Nicole May in that circle backing her up and she was so so solid all year long Jordy Ball had not just her but she also had the offense backing her up. She had the defense backing her up. So I think as Oklahoma moves on, yes, will she be missed? I'm sure. But will her presence be felt? I don't think so. Just because it was more so than just the pitching aspect. There's a lot of other things that went into making that team so great. And whenever there's a hole, Coach Gasso finds a way to fill it. And so it might not be filled with just one pitcher, but I think you'll start to see maybe some more rotations, uh, multiple pitcher games. But I think she's she's filled that hole quite well. Yeah, and again, like if you're going to have to replace a pitcher like Jordy Ball, bringing in a Kelly Maxwell, and then and then the depth they've got behind it, that's a pretty good start. What has what's your kind of feel on on you know Carly Keeney or, or Peyton Monticelli or even uh, the feeling around? Kirsten Deal and, and just the depth they have. I think you look at this rotation and you say, all right, Nicole May and Kelly Maxwell, we've seen them do it for a number of years. We really know what we're getting there. 
to some degree and perhaps even you know they'll take another step up both of them uh with another season but behind them there what what have you gleaned about about some of those other options yeah i learned three lefties three righties so many options right there yeah. immediately you have different arm points and then um, I think you'll see SJ Garen, she redshirted last year. You'll see her be a relief pitcher. So she'll get, she'll get some innings. Um, and she's, she's deceptive with her spin. She's kind of solid. I'm here and this is where I'm throwing. I'm just going to go right there and I'm going to let my defense do their thing kind of pitcher. Um, I think you'll see a little bit of the same from deal. You'll get more innings from her, but kind of the same from her. And then as far as, um, Nicole May and Kelly Maxwell, I think they'll they'll lead the charge pretty pretty hard. But um, whenever it comes to Peyton Monticelli, coach said she was one of the hardest throwers that that is on the staff. She pitches seventy plus. I mean, she stands up there. I was asking coach, and she was like, it's "Just she's six one. Her forearms are massive. She's so strong, and whenever she comes at you, it's." with powers, with aggression. So, I mean, it's unlike anything else on the pitching staff right now. So I think the biggest thing for her is learning control. And once she does that, you're going to see her innings shoot up um, a lot. But I, I think you'll see her, but maybe a little bit more sparingly until that control um, gets a little bit more consistent. But again, overall, a pretty, pretty good pitcher. Um, and then Carly Keeney, I... She was hurt this fall, so I didn't get the chance to see her too much. But prior season, I got to see her at Liberty, and I was raving about her. She is such a competitor. So even now, as she's kind of trying to play catch-up, right? And I missed the whole fall. I didn't get to pitch. I got to play catch-up. Season starting up with Oklahoma, that can be a lot of pressure for anybody, much less a pitcher who's in it every single second. But coach was talking about how impressed she was by her competitive nature and wanting to be in the midst of how can I help? How can I be a good teammate? But also how can I be a pitcher in this lineup? So um, I think by the time end of February comes around, she'll be a regular, regular part of the rotation, getting pretty good innings. I think, you know, with, with Peyton and then you're talking about with, with Kirsten and uh, SJ underclassmen. So like there's your future potential future core. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. um, but Peyton, I, if I recall correctly, she's come with a few years of eligibility. Like you're talking there about someone who, if it isn't immediate, you talk about control or, or you know, needing to make some steps to, to up that innings count. That can be a multi-year project too. And, and that's an yeah. exciting piece. Just to this rotation, just like we're talking about in the infield, like there's just options. And I think that's going to be gonna... fun for, for Patty and Jen. And then just to watch, you know, for fans or even us who report on this team, there's going to be um, a lot of dynamic elements. And I don't know if, you know, the, this program has always been dynamic in all different sorts of ways. But perhaps this is, you know, for a team that's as promising as some of the last few um, has as many variables to it as we've seen with an Oklahoma team in a while. And I think that's going to be fun. And, um, I'd imagine there's a part of Patty that relishes a, a challenge like that. Um, but the question is, if there were something or some team that was going to trip up, you know, the, the four Pete that a lot of people will, will enter this season, no one in Norman or not within the program, but plenty of others will basically anoint OU national champions <laughs> for a fourth straight time before they even get started in, in Mexico this week. 
where do you see either out there across the country or, or just in things that can happen to a program as, as the possible stumbling blocks that keeps Oklahoma getting from to, to this point that everyone, you know, broadly speaking, expects them to get to? Um, at the risk of sounding corny, the only person that could beat them is themselves, yada, yada. Uh, just, again, the ability to have that talent level and be so consistent with it other programs in the country haven't figured out how to do that yet. And so with that, I think the biggest imminent challenge that's kind of standing in the way of Oklahoma in that 4P, I think is going to be more so the media. It, it was tough Up at the right end. Here. Yeah, right here. Um, more so social media. Um, less so... I read an article, there was an interview of somebody saying something about this, but I think it's going to come more so from a, f- a softball fan base. I wouldn't even say OU fan base, but just a softball fan base, softball hater base. I, I don't know what to call it, but at the end of last year, there were so many overwhelming people who are, I'm tired of OU winning. I want to see somebody else win. Fair, totally valid. Um but it comes to a certain point of whenever you're hearing it over and over and over, it's it's hard to consistently hear that and it block it out. So I think for them, the seniors, they know how it goes. They know how to do it. But there's going to be some key pieces to this Oklahoma team that aren't seniors, that are younger. And so there's a learning curve that comes with that. But also with the expansion of softball, with the attention with the increased fan base, they're going to get a more elevated version of what you saw at the World Series last year, maybe all the way through this season. And so learning how to be unliked and be okay with it and say, I'm not playing for you. I'm playing for my teammate or I'm playing for my certain why and really, really honing in on that. I think that's going to be a huge stumbling block if they allow it to be. Um, but they do a good job about just talking about it. If there's an elephant in the room, you're going to know. You're going to talk about it. There's no, they just kind of try to ignore it. That, that is not their style. They address things head on. So um, hopefully it's not the case because I would hate to see such a talented team have that as their stumbling block instead of maybe they face a really, really good team. You know, I'd rather see that than the social media side. But um We'll see as the season goes on. Well, we're going to close out just a few rapid fire questions and then we will get you on your way because you're far too busy to be spending too much time with (laughs) us. Uh, The series or game that you're most excited about on Oklahoma's schedule is what? Oh, man. I have to say Bedlam. Bedlam, I think it's it's, it's always intense, but Kelly Maxwell on the circle, I'm just, I'm waiting for that. It's back in Norman new stadium it's it's a whole other level i've already asked coach yasso i was like so if i'm not doing anything that weekend i get tickets right i'm asking going can i can i see this game can i watch it anywhere um wouldn't be surprised if it's a national event but uh that one's gonna be two talented teams facing up against each other but there's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder for both sides, I think it, it'll be fun. All right. The newcomer that you're most excited to watch is who? I, I'm i also a little biased with this newcomer. So Cassidy Pickering, 
I've okay. played with her sister growing up. And so I've known her since she was five following us around the softball fields. Um, but she's just phenomenal. She has so much talent. She's so athletic. Uh, I just, I, I want to see everything that she can do. And I, I got a glimpse of it this fall and she can do a lot. So I, I'm really excited to see how her career goes. Who's going to lead this team in home runs this year? I'm going to say Jada Coleman. I just, I really feel something from her. It'll be either Jada Coleman or Kinsey Hansen. Cause I mean, I've seen the weight that Kinsey Hansen's been mm-hmm. lifting and that's, that's some serious weight. Um, but I'm going to say Jada Coleman just because she has the ability to do so many different things with her bat. Um, I think pitchers try to tend to not just pitch to a swing, but a slap or a bunt. So she, she's going to have the most home runs. The returner you think is going to surprise people the most. So someone who's been on this hmm. roster, but maybe hasn't been um, part of that top tier that's going to surprise folks. I think it will be, I'll say either Hannah Cork cause she hasn't, she's been heard and then she's kind of not played. She was impressive. She was definitely impressive this past fall. And if she stays healthy, I think, we're going to see a little bit more from her just in the outfield and offensively. She won several games during scrimmages for her team. So um, I think that'll be great. And then Avery Hodge, I mean, the potential to be a starting shortstop, the potential to be at second base, uh, I, I think is there. So I think you'll get to enjoy her style of play whenever she's on the field because she is smooth. She is smooth and quick and really, really fun to watch. She's just smiley. She'll make the craziest play. And she's just this bubble of energy. Grace Lyons is a little bit more steady Eddie. Um, you can see the smile. You can see the energy from her the whole time. So she's a lot of fun to watch just make crazy plays. I think Sis Bates kind of style of play. All right, and the last one, the the answer, you know, as you said, the, the only team that perhaps could beat Oklahoma this year is Oklahoma. But if you looked out across the country and you said, who is the greatest threat to Oklahoma, a team that could beat them in a series in Oklahoma City in June, who would that be? It's tough. I think personally, just on research that I've done so far and returners, I think that. Florida State's always a great contender because they play really, really similar to the way that Oklahoma plays. And I would dare say that their their offense or base running is a little bit more aggressive than Oklahoma, which, again, is really hard to say. Not a lot of teams can do that and be so successful, but they are. Um, so, so I think their team um, at Clemson, they were – a fun, fun matchup. Oh my gosh. I, I love seeing them battle back and forth. So if Clemson faces Oklahoma again, there's there's that memory of, man, we came into your house. We had you and we lost. I think they're going to play with a little edge. Yeah, literally one strike away, you know? And um, I think they'll have a little extra edge to themselves as they come in. And then Oklahoma State, I think, would be the third team. They, they always, it's always neck and neck and a couple of years they've managed to squeak one out. And so um, with the added saltiness of Kelly Maxwell, no longer donning the burnt or the bright orange, but uh, the crimson, I think they'll have extra motivation as well. Um, but I would say the first two more so. Yeah. 
there's going to be uh, certainly going to be energy with Bedlam, but you tend yeah. to feel like there's rivalries we don't quite know about, or maybe no one knows about until we get to May, June <laughs> and like a Clemson shows up. And if yeah. FSU, you see them in, in OKC Stanford was the, you know, they, they've had, they've got the pitching to, to push Oklahoma. They certainly did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just excited to get started. Nicole, thank you for joining us on Letterman jacket folks. You can catch Nicole everywhere during softball season from the sound of it but certainly at flow softball softball america you'll have your podcast you'll be on broadcasts in norman texas state i'm excited to tune in and uh i I know like you uh just excited for softball season to be around so nicole thank you for joining us and folks as always thank you for tuning in to the letterman jacket back every week you can find us at youtube apple spotify amazon wherever you get your podcast selloutcrowd.com Big thank you to our producer, Jacqueline Musgrove, to Michael Lane, Bobby Howard, Mike Sherman for their work. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the podcast.